You're listening to The Daily Detail, a roundup of the most important news from the state of Alabama and across the United States. I'm Andrea Tice. An attorney with Alabama's Center for Law and Liberty is reacting to a recent statement made by President Joe Biden to those on the National Governors Association Zoom call. Biden said this. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Attorney Matthew Clark with the ACLL says that those comments could certainly be factored in ahead of the U.S. Supreme Court hearing two lawsuits against the federal vaccine mandate. Clark spoke with 1819 News reporter Sean Taylor, saying that lower courts have already noted the differing messages that are coming from the Biden administration, both before he took office and immediately after. Comments like this. What I would say is I'm going to shut down the virus, not the country. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm not going to shut down the country, but I'm going to shut down the virus. Clark says conservative justices are free to compare those statements with current statements made by Biden, as well as those from the Occupational Health and Safety Administration. Clark says that comparison of the differing messages could definitely hurt the president's chances in court regarding the federal vaccine mandate argument. Clark has filed a lawsuit to challenge the vaccine mandate on behalf of FabArk Steel Supply, which is a construction company here in the state. FabArk President Tony Pugh says he has religious-based objections to forcing his employees to get vaccinated. And also, here's another update on the state law regarding those religious exemptions to the federal vaccine mandate. The law was passed in a special session within the Alabama legislature just a few months ago. 1819 News reporter Sean Taylor spoke to one of the sponsors of the legislation, State Senator Chris Elliott. He asked him how the new law is going into effect, and Elliott says that the law is working exceptionally well. He says there has been tens of thousands of forms downloaded for people to apply for the religious exemption, and only 31 have entered the appeals process within the state labor department. Those who have entered the appeals process have ultimately had their appeal honored by their employer. Elliott says that if a company were to resist the administrative court's ruling from within the Labor Department, then the employee could seek a declaratory finding of that employer being in contempt of court. And Elliott says that no business or company wants that kind of a declaration. A federal judge presiding here in Alabama has now ordered the state to boost its number of correctional officers by the year 2025, as well as make other changes within the prison system. U.S. District Judge Myron Thompson issued a 600-page opinion on the situation within Alabama's prisons. He says that the Alabama Department of Corrections has failed to meet his earlier directive regarding staff numbers. Thompson wants all mandatory and essential posts to be completely filled by 2025. In those documents, he noted the number of suicides that have happened in prison since he first ruled on the issue in 2017. There's a tax credit you will want to consider for the upcoming 2022 year. Homeowners who install a storm shelter after January 1st will be given a $3,000 tax credit. According to Emergency Management Agency Director for Lee County, Rita Smith, the shelter must be approved by the Federal Emergency Management Administration and it must be able to withstand an EF5 tornado. The shelter must be built on the land that belongs to the person who is applying for that tax credit. Auburn State Representative Joe Laverne initiated the program in honor of the two dozen people who were killed by tornadoes in 2019 in Lee County. The Birmingham Bowl this past Tuesday resulted in a win for the Houston Cougars against the Auburn Tigers. The final score was 17-13. to The final score for Protective Stadium was max capacity and good sales, apparently. Tickets for the game were sold out by the time kickoff occurred on Tuesday of this week. 
For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, those at the Center for Disease Control out of Atlanta are having a busy week between Christmas and New Year's. There are 86 different cruise ships that are being investigated by the CDC after new COVID-19 cases have erupted on board. 48 of those cruise ships are being closely monitored due to the number of cases among the passengers and crew that crossed over a case threshold that has been established by the CDC. The designation of surveillance of those ships by the CDC was issued on their website on December 27th for those ships planning to enter and operate within U.S. waters. None of these cruise ships have reached the next level of designation where additional health measures must come into play. A second Democrat governor says no to mask mandates in light of the onset of the Omicron variant. Governor Ned Lamont of Connecticut referred to what is happening in the nearby state of New York as an example of mask mandates not working. Well, it's not curbing the spike down in uh, New York City, um, where, which is probably ground zero. Governor Lamont was speaking to CTN News, responding to a question about mask mandates. Just last week, Colorado Governor Jared Polis announced that COVID is over in his state and that he's ended his emergency order and will not issue another statewide mask mandate. Alabama's Senator Tommy Tuberville is speaking out about transgenders in athletic competition. Tuberville says he has seen firsthand how Title IX law has benefited women in sports since it was enacted a few years before he started coaching women's basketball. Tuberville says he's not in favor of allowing men to compete as transgender females. Tuberville says they will then end up taking scholarships and trophies from biological females. Tuberville referenced a Penn State transgender swimmer, Leah Thomas, who is tearing up the female competition, breaking records and winning swim meets. Tuberville says that would not be the case if Thomas was actually competing with a Y chromosome. Earlier this week, Daily Detail covered a story regarding a USA swimming official, Cynthia Millen, who resigned from her 30-year position in that organization in protest of Thomas being allowed to compete against biological females. Millen has since gone on Fox News this week to share her reasoning. The fact is that swimming is a sport in which bodies compete against bodies. Identities do not compete against identities. And from the very beginning, when you start out as an age grouper, swimmers are divided by sex and by age group, eight and under, nine, 10, et cetera, all the way up because from the very beginning, swimming, USA Swimming recognizes that boys swim differently from girls. And this is just accentuated when boys and girls go through puberty. Boys will always have larger lung capacity, larger hearts, greater circulation, a bigger skeleton, and less fat. Girls go through puberty and they have a double whammy. They not only grow breasts and hips, but they have periods, and they often have a totally different center of gravity. They have to learn how to swim over again. So while Leah Thomas is a child of God, he is a biological male, who is competing against women, and no matter how much testosterone suppression drugs he takes, he will always be a biological male and have this advantage. And it's horrible. The statement for women then is, you don't matter, what you do is not important, and little girls are going to be thrown under the bus by all of this. He's going to be destroying women swimming. The majority of Americans may or may not like the Harry Potter book series, but they sure do side with the author, J.K. Rowling. Rasmussen recently conducted a poll on whether there are two genders only. This question comes after Rowling made statements that there were only two genders on social media and has since been accused of hate speech and transphobia by those in the U.K. 
The Rasmussen polls show that 75% of Americans agreed with Rowling's statements on sex. This whole issue with Rowling is not new, but it has come back to the forefront once again after reports are coming out of Scotland that they're considering labeling transgender females as women, even if they're accused of the crime of rape. Rowling called the idea absurd and said it isn't hate to speak the truth. Well, there's also a development in the Keystone State when it comes to the 2020 presidential election results. The Amistad Project has just been given approval by a court in the state of Pennsylvania to send Dominion voting machines used in Fulton County to the state Senate for inspection. That inspection will occur on January 10th. The judge determined that county officials wanting to inspect and investigate those machines should be able to do so. The judge ruled against the Pennsylvania State Attorney General and Secretary of State, who both sued to stop those investigations when they learned of the plan. The Amistad Project started back in 2018 and is now involved in multiple legal issues against what they describe as a shadow government that interfered with the 2020 election. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. There's a new podcast in town. This Alabama Life with host Don Keith caught up with 1819 News President and CEO Brian Dawson about his life before radio and media. And I tell you, you don't want to miss it. I was involved in um, a drug, uh, motorcycle, automobile theft ring, and I was charged with being the, you know, kingpin or whatever you want to call it in that. So I was in Colorado Springs, Colorado on the run. I had been on the run for about six weeks at this time. I had eluded the cops. They closed in on me and I would always get away. And um, to the, by this point, they were actually setting up perimeters all over the areas in Colorado Springs where I was known to hang out. And so they had like literally like barricade perimeters with cop cars, you know, showing people my picture and they'd have like guns like photoshopped into it. Like he's dangerous, you know, and, it, it, and, and maybe there was a time when I was dangerous, but it wasn't at that time. I was armed with a meth pipe and that was about it. So um, but it was funny, you know, that, that it had gotten that serious. And I ended up being like one of the most wanted criminals in Colorado Springs at the time. So I was sitting, um, on this day, June 19th, 2007, I'm on the third story in an apartment, which is where my hideout was while I was on the run. Someone turned me in, the cops showed up. I knew they were coming. And as I always frame it up, I was cooking bratwurst in this, you know, kind of a shanty of an apartment watching the Chappelle show. This was my last day out. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, cooking, cooking bratwurst, watching the Chappelle show. And I looked out the window and I saw the front edge of a cop car with the little flashlight things that they have on their mirrors. And I knew at that time it was up. And a few seconds later, I started hearing pounding on not my door, but a door that was actually down the, like down the hall a little bit. And it was, you know, Colorado Springs police department open up and they kicked that door in. And so I knew I had a few seconds. Right. And so I tied a rope to the bottom of this recliner previously because this was my my planned getaway because this was my hideout, right? And so I took a nylon repelling rope and I tied it to the bottom of this old 70s retro recliner and like every 18 inches I tied a double knot so it would be like a climbing rope and I'm up on the third story. And so the idea was that this window was wide or this this chair, this retro recliner was wider than the window was, right? And so I'm going to jump out the window and this thing's going to hold me. And so as they're coming and kicking in doors, I kick the screen out of the window. I throw my backpack out the window. I wrap the rope around my hand and I just jump out of the window. Oh my goodness. And so I'm <laughs> hanging. Yeah, I'm hanging from this thing. Well, apparently there was like a surveillance van that was back there and they saw me throw the backpack out and they saw me jump out. And then I looked on the other side of the apartment building on either side and like 50 or 60 cops come swarming out with pistols drawn. There's no tasers to be seen. Get on the ground, get on the ground. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, where else am I going to go? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, <laughs> And I had eluded them to the, you know, in their defense, I had gotten away quite a few times. So 
um, that was it. That was the end. And so I, I unwrapped the, the rope from my hand and I let go and I dropped three stories and landed and uh, the cop put his knee in my back and there's two German shepherd or police dogs barking in my face and put the cuffs on me and put me in the back of the cop car. And that was that was the end of my, my terror reign on, on Colorado Springs. If you want to find out how Brian goes from running from the law to running a news startup right here in Alabama, well, you can go to 1819news.com and press on the podcast tab to listen to the whole story, or you can subscribe to it on Spotify. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow, and I look forward to updating you then.